and Morio. Whoops. I yeah, my pen on I head. know. I've been yelling about Stop you. Stop it. Fucking pen the you haven't been time. yelling. You've been giving me passive aggressive looks. <laughs> and hand gestures. Fucking bitch. Hand gestures. <laughs> Brotherhood without manners. Fuck! I did. I did exactly what I did that first episode. Son of, Son a, of bitch. a bitch. Well, oh well. So I'm Nate, the one fucking thing. Oh, up you're today. just going with and it. And this is Zach. Um, we are a full spoiler reread podcast of George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. Currently reading A Game of Thrones, and today we are reading Catelyn Stark, chapter. Manners. Shut the fuck up. You're an asshole. Manners. Brotherhood without manners. I just, I still dream about being a brotherhood without banner. And so, one day I'll get there. That was, that was just, that was excellent. Train wreck. (laughs) Uh, It is an exciting, exciting time. We are about 10 days away, roughly, from season 8 airing. Uh, We just got a new teaser ish promo yeah, like type this. trailer and we also got a promotional poster let's discuss the poster first because i like the poster the poster's uh, super sick the way uh the, my first initial thought was and if if you've seen it you know that uh, it's all the main cast kind of arrayed in the the layout of the iron throne to me i thought of the way the white walkers like to lay out their victims as we've seen in those weird sort of arrangements that's what initially caught me off guard and then I don't think it's any type of foreshadowing. Uh, like we kind of mentioned earlier, in season five or six, they had all their faces up on the Hall of Faces, which you know didn't mean that yeah, every just, single one of them could be a faceless right. man now. It just meant. And like, so to start, yeah, I I think that for both of these, yeah. I don't think that either of these are foreshadowing anything to come necessarily. I mean, maybe there's some minor subtle stuff that they'll be like, yeah, that's exactly why we did that. But for the most part, I think these are just fun. Let's hype everybody up. Yeah, I, I, definitely with the um, the then the promo that they aired of the it's called aftermath of just sort of the winter snows blowing through Winterfell, and we see what looks to be the aftermath of a battle with the hand of the kingpin and uh, Brand's Baron Stark's chair demolished and Longclaw and Jamie's hand, and it just everything looks all fucked up. Every time you say hand of the kingpin, I just think of the villain king i know i i I, it just hurt it myself it's so hard not to to jump over to that but yeah i think it's more of a will they won't they like this this could be a potential outcome for our heroes but we'll have to wait so yeah so the poster is definitely cool i uh my first thought was just that it was it was fucking dope like it just looked sick like in that iron throne with the bodies and so that was cool um when I was I was messing around on Twitter today, and I asked, you know, how, what people were thinking on it. One guy just said he didn't. He doesn't like it. Nope, doesn't <laughs> like it. And so I I kind of decided to to make a reach and figured, you know, if we really wanted to force it to mean something, we could potentially say that that's a it's a metaphor for breaking the wheel. In order for the the throne to exist, they all have to die, or so in order for the the wheel to be broken 
they needed to take care of that throne. The throne can't exist while everyone else is alive and, and happy, so it needs to come down. But like I said, I'm just tinfoiling it for the sake of for the sake of fucking around on Twitter. Yeah, I because I'm pretty sure it's it's a poster. It's building hype. And it's cool. I'm I think hype. it looks cool. I'm hype as fuck. But yeah, the promo also, um, there's some cool I mean, they're cool. What do you want? What do you want from me? I like them. I I, I think they're nailing it, building hype. Uh, we're only a couple days out now, almost getting close to just a week out, so I think they're doing great at building the hype. I'm I, as I said earlier to you that I haven't been this excited for a show to wrap up since Lost and uh, quite a few shows that I was a big fan of have ended since then and none of them have gotten me as hype as Game of Thrones has and Lost. Uh, Lost is one of my all-time favorite shows, as you well know. What? But you like Lost? Game of Thrones is, I'm pretty sure, surpassing it at this point, so... I'm hype, and I'm excited for the 14th. But it's going to be good. In the meantime, we are reading Game of Thrones. And if you joined us last episode, we were reading Brandon 3. And Bran had a decent little dream trip fall thing. Yeah, he was uh, tripping balls in the raven's head, the crow's head. Managed to sort of awaken his third eye, his inner eye. He's woke as fuck. Stay lit, bro. (laughs) And so... Just foreshadowing great uh, great adventure and, and exciting kind of crazy things to come for Bran. So that was exciting. He also, in sort of his visions, had seen our current week's chapter, Catelyn, on a boat. And in front of her, he had said that there was a storm brewing that none of them could see. And so that's sort of where we pick up here with Catelyn 4. Cat is standing at the rail of the ship that Bran saw her on and is told that they will be making King's Landing within the hour. Uh, she's told this by Captain Morio Tumatis. Yeah. I'm trying to write down specifically all the names we come across so I can like try to improve my vernacular of them. I call them Tumitis. Uh, Tumitis, I like Morio that. Morio I, I can go with Tumitis. I like Tumitis. Um, Catelyn says that the oarsmen have done well and promises each one a silver stag as a token of her gratitude. He responds that it's just an honor to be carrying such a high-born, lovely lady as herself. But you'll take the silver stag anyway. Catelyn right? isn't really buying the, the flattery and says, but they'll take the, they'll take the silver all the same. Um, he smiles at her, and Catelyn sort of has some inner thoughts about him, saying he, smoked, he spoke the common tongue well with only a slight hint of a Taroshi accent. He'd been on the sea for 30 years, he had told her, as an oarsman first, then a quartermaster, and finally captain of his own ship, the Storm Dancer, which I immediately thought back to, again, the storm that they could not see. Uh, This one's sort of dancing on the precipice of the storm. And it was his fastest ship, and also the fastest at White Harbor when she and Roderick had arrived there. Roderick had some trepidation about buying this boat. He wanted to go with a fishing boat. Something smaller, more less conspicuous. And a little bit of racism showed through here when he said Tyroshis are known to be wealth hungry. They, they're they greedy. They'll upcharge. Which we clearly find actually is very true. And... It's true for this particular Tyroshi, but let's not you know, <laughs> put everyone in a box here. I mean, we could probably come up with a few more Tyroshis. But Catelyn had insisted on a galley. Uh, she wanted the bigger ship with speed, and it was good that she did with the winds against them. They wouldn't have stood a chance in a fishing boat. So it all kind of worked out. And she thinks to herself that she's so close, 
and her fingers are still throbbing from where the dagger cut her, but the pain now is her reminder that uh, lest she forgets what happened. So it's interesting that what also snapped her out of that reverie of grief-stricken mother is also now her constant reminder it's of what they did to Bran. They, they tried to kill him, they tried to kill me type thing. And it says she can't bend two of the fingers. So you know that, that kind of, and like... Not to bring it into a dark tone, but it almost makes me think of the the suicidal tendencies, people that, that cut themselves to, it's it's very, you know, had she not done it defending from an assassin, maybe that's the kind of thinking she might have gone with, where mm. the self-inflicted pain, just the pain to drive and motivate her is very... Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting point. So, I mean, it's... Lady Stoneheart is what I'm True. saying. Yeah, she's she's yeah. It, it's very dark thinking. But, but she uh, yeah she lo- she can't she isn't able to bend two fingers on her left hand and all the other ones were slow as well. But she thinks that that was a small enough price to pay for Bran's life. She she would happily I'm sure give up her entire hand if it if it meant saving Bran. But at this point, Roderick comes up on deck and Morio. Whoops. I yeah, pen on I pen. know. I've been yelling about you. Stop it. Pen the you haven't been time. yelling. You've been giving me passive-aggressive looks. <laughs> and hand gestures. Fucking bitch. Hand gestures. Roderick comes back up on deck, and Morio greets him um, <laughs> through his forked green beard, which Kat notes the, the Tyro she loved, bright colors, yeah, especially in their facial hair, which always, for some reason, and I know that this came out, like, don't crucify me, I know it came out before the Hunger Games, but I always think of, like, the crazily dressed Well, just how weird. That's, it's that's just it. a, it's a very strange, eccentric yeah. look compared to what you're used but to. But so. Roderick, it says, is looking better. He's been having a rough time Poor at Roderick. sea. Poor Roderick. Poor Roderick. He uh, had almost fallen over when a sudden storm had unexpectedly gripped them near Dragonstone. He somehow, but he somehow managed to grab onto a rope and hold on until three of Morio's men were able to help him back in. Yeah, and he was seasick basically from that. So point here's the the question that I know the answer to, but is this the storm that Bran saw? Um. Because obviously we don't think so. I well, I think yes and no. I think there probably he did see a storm clouds on the horizon, but it was so oversighted by the storm that is brewing. Yeah, well, we as the reader know that it's this big storm. But I'm he sure if quite. I'm sure if Bran focused in enough, he could have said like, "Oh yeah, there's weird meteorological leather weather patterns that are gonna <laughs> fuck with their trip," but. I think he was more looking at the broader strokes of, like, they're heading toward a much bigger storm than the one they're about to endure. But Cat tells Sir Roderick that their voyage will end soon, and he even kind of quips, like, so soon? Uh, he Yeah, he, he's not having a good time. He looks, she says, he looks odd without his great white whiskers, but after puking his brains out, he kind of agreed to the razor because he was getting bits of it. It was a bit of a mess. That's gross. A bit of a mess. That's yeah. gross. Mm-hmm. So, Morio leaves and leaves them to discuss their business that they need to take care of in King's Landing. Yeah, so that's when they're going to start talking about what they, they plan on doing, um, how they want to go visit the Master at Arms mm-hmm. there at the at the king, at the castle. As she says this to Sir Roderick, she's gripping the dagger underneath her cloak and just holding it as another reassurance, another reminder. And yeah, they are just kind of going to go seek out the Master of Arms and pray he can be trusted. Yeah, so his name, uh, Sir Aaron 
what is it, Sard- Sardinger? Santagar? Santagar, that's it. I can't read my writing, so. Uh, so, Sir Aaron Santagar, and I, I, I noticed, like, I've never heard this fucking name before. Yeah. Like, I've never heard of this guy. I, yeah, I've been paying specific attention to names this, and, this, yeah, this and through who's and... where and where we're meeting characters, and I've never heard of Sir Aaron Santagar. So so we decided it was Aaron Santagar, yeah. Yeah, and like Sir Roderick describes him as a vain man, but an honest one. But honestly, Roderick is more concerned about being cited than being Yeah uh, betrayed by this man. Yeah, he's worried about the people in court less so than the master Mm -hmm. at arms. Catelyn immediately when he brings this up thinks of Littlefinger, and it says his face swam up before her, a boy's face, though he was a boy no longer. Little. So yeah, he was given the name Littlefinger by her brother Edmure yeah. when they were children back when he was a little boy because his family held some modest holdings on the smallest of the fingers up in the Vale. And so he was just Littlefinger. Mm. Uh, they call him Lord Baelish now, though, as he has sort of risen, stepped, yeah, risen pretty mm-hmm. high. Roderick is stumbling around trying to find a polite word for Baelish, but Cat is... Way past out. Well, it's feet. more that she was, because he was like, oh, Lord Baelish, didn't he once, uh, he was looking for the right words to say Yeah, to and, and, Kat, and like, Kat's, like, beyond giving a shit. She yeah, to which herself, we saw in the, the chapter, her other chapter, with Ned, that she she's past that false modesty shit. Like, yeah. Lewin's seen her naked, not a problem, just fucking get in here and show us the letter. You, Roderick, like... Just we, say what say what's we're on your adults. Mind. Yes, Baelish was in love with me, and she thinks to herself that he was her father's ward. They had grown up together. She had thought of him as a brother, but his feelings were much more than that. Cat, when Catelyn was betrothed to marry Brandon Stark, Peter had challenged him to a duel for her hand. Good for you, little boy. Brandon was twenty, and Peter was fifteen at the time. She, the only reason Brandon spared him was because she begged him to. And he left him a scar uh, running from his chest down to his navel. And her father sent Peter away, and she hadn't seen him since then. It did, however, mention that he had wrote to her after Brandon was killed. And I'm really curious what was in that letter, but she burned it unread. Now, she says she burned it unread. Yeah. I... So I, I wanted to say this, too, real quick, since we're, we're getting uh, an introduction into this character, Littlefinger, Peter Baelish. Lord Baelish, the the moneymaker. If, if you're a listener coming to us from watching the show and you're new to the books, Peter Baelish is not quite the same as he is portrayed on the show. And I, you know, God, gotta love D&D for their work on, on the HBO series. It's great. We love it. But Baelish is not the character that he's portrayed there in in very specific ways. He's much more charismatic and likable, and I'm just trying to say that I heart Peter Baelish in the books. In the, yeah, in the books, uh, he has really no uh, no equal except I mean, for he's, except for Book Varys. Yeah. But Book Varys again is very different from Show Varys. So as Peter well. Baelish is you know not to say that he's not vile or a terrible person. I just his cunning, the way he he gets what he wants is less weaselly and much more demanding. And the way that even strange. with a man like Peter Baelish, just little 
side thoughts in a chapter that isn't his, these thoughts about Catelyn, they're, they're significant to his story. Knowing that Peter Baelish stayed with them and grew up with them and was close with her and Edmure and Liza is significant for what he is planning and thinking and doing at this very already fucking moment. This he point. is already engaged with Liza and not engaged to be married, but engaged in plans with Liza, even though she's just a pawn and has no clue. He's already using this and specific moment here, like this relationship that was built in a thought she's thinking about when they were kids. He's using that already. And we don't know it, of course, right. but... And you got to remember, this is also a huge curveball to him because while he he obviously has... And again, this is full spoiler, so if you were dumb enough to come in here and not listen to our first warning, like, it's getting real deep here. We all know that Peter Baelish did the poisoning of John Aaron. Yeah. Um... And well, Liza, had, and that, well, Liza, <laughs> and had Liza, you know, do everything, and he didn't anticipate Jamie Lannister throwing Bran out the window, and then an assassin being sent with the dagger that he may have actually owned at one point. But again, that could very well just be conjecture. Him attempting to take credit to put everything do you directly think, on the uh, Here's my do you think he cares? Because all he really wanted with killing John Aaron and getting the king to go north was to cause strife between the Starks and the Lannisters for the sort of the first part of his plan. That's it, and that's so why I think it's just you, a like, curveball to him. So like Jamie pushing Bran out the window, that's achieving more strife. Um, Catelyn and Tyrion, that's more strong. And that's why so I think I he think... did deal that, like, go that way. And that's all I was just saying is that this isn't what he expected. This just happened to play he's right so into adaptable. his... Like, exactly. He, it's and... not, you know, he didn't get his throat slit. Because, yeah, as we know, it's Joffrey who sent the the, the cat's paw so after it, uh, Bran. Yeah, exactly. And it's not Littlefinger, but uh, and we'll get into it, obviously, in this chapter, but... He, but he plays it off like he right. knows like something. He, and he, at exactly. this point, he probably has no fucking clue. This and that's what I'm saying. It's, it, he may have owned a dagger, but whether or not he does, he it plays has, it to he's his... going to. You know what? Yeah, I used to own this, but you know who I lost it to? And that's something I want, I'll point out. We'll so, get more into that. Anyway, in the, 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 the letter, um, do you think she read it or do you think she actually burned it? I think she has it. Still? I don't think she burned it. And so Do I you think, think Lady Stoneheart will bring that up? But see, and that's what makes me think that she just burned it. Yeah. And it's just a... Because unless it comes up, what's the point But of... it's... To me, it's... it's. Uh... What do you... All right, what do you, so what do you think it contains? Is it him just professing his love and trying now that Brandon's dead? That's really it. Like, what else would it be? I'm going to Is avenge... Is he foolish enough? Like, he knows that she would immediately be betrothed to the next like if not then it was just a, an apology just because an ashamed boy after so being do you, slashed so down but it's... that was sort of where I leaned to was maybe it was an apology if it was an apology and Catelyn had like read it do you think it would have changed Littlefinger's trajectory if she could have forgiven him and like sort of written him back and said I understand made him, yeah you is... were you were a fucking boy in puberty a rat live, growing up with two girls if, if it led to him coming north to visit you know as a you know what you apologized come meet my family come i guess meet Ned. like my question boils down to is like if catelyn had shown some not necessarily affection because obviously she doesn't feel that way and that's okay she has every right to but... well so i think this might answer the question before you really even have to I think that Littlefinger's out to cause chaos at this point. I don't think that, and I don't think that was caused necessarily by Brandon or by, I think he was just a, he's just a, a psychopath, but in not in the Joffrey way where he just wants to cause this physical harm. He just wants to cause 
chaos. He, I don't think he wants to rule. I don't think he wants to be in the power. I think he enjoys playing with people. Mm. And what better way than just to, to move around? Granted, I think he also has that attachment towards Cat of all the people he has had any Yeah, kind of it's sort of that tie. idealistic picture of, like, I'll get what I want and I'll have this woman beside me because I've loved her since I was a boy. Right, uh, yeah, I right. get that. But anyway, moving on. Roderick mentions that Littlefinger now sits on the small council. And Catelyn thinks, I knew he would rise high. He was always a clever. He was always clever, even as a boy. But it is one thing to be clever and another to be wise. And I wonder what the years have done to him. Yeah, I really, really like that quote. I did as well. Uh... Catelyn is so she's so inquisitive. She's got such a thinker's mind, and I really enjoy that. She is very smart and wise when she applies it. Yeah, it is one thing to be clever. It is another thing to be wise. So is he? Is he clever and just kind of playing these schemes, but everybody sees through it, or is he wise? And I think, as we learn, he's a little—he's a good mixture of both. Littlefinger, because in the again, I think the point you were making about bringing up the show, he's kind of not as detested in the books at first. Like people, people enjoy trust his him presence and, and, and are it. willing to he's deal with him. He's the master of coin. Like they—they they know that he's capable. They barracks at the door again. Mm-hmm. They know he's capable, or else they wouldn't put him in charge of the finances of the kingdom. That's like, it, and he, uh, later on, will get from him himself that the Master of Coin has to be personable, or else how else are you going to make these deals? And right, I feel like he's much more comparable to a good car salesman. And I always, I, I think that was always my issue with the show's portrayal, is I always found myself questioning of, like, if everybody knows no one wants to fucking deal with this guy, why are people still dealing with this guy? Right. It doesn't make sense. Aiden Gillen, Gillian, Gillen, Gillian, I think... Aiden Gillian, I think, did a great portrayal of Peter Baelish, but he's not – it doesn't make sense for him to be detestable because he's got to be this charismatic – he runs a whorehouse, you know. He wants people to be welcome and come into his business. And so I think it gets painted much better here in the book that – Yeah, and I think part of it was the writing because I think that uh, the actor really did portray him very good. And, uh, you know, and I don't – Completely detested. I love show. Yeah, I like show Peter Baelish. It was just very yeah. different, much, much yeah. different. And he was. Uh, I feel like Aiden Gillian there put it off more of that sleazy vibe. Yeah, he was more sketchy um, and and sleazy. Whereas, and yeah, the, Lemony Snicket's a series yeah, of unfortunate yeah. events that whereas creepy uncle. This one is much more likable, and he's yeah. a little, a little harder to to just pass off as untrustworthy. So some shouting begins and it comes down from the crow's nest and King's Landing comes into view atop its three high hills and there's some really, really good description. What a majestic description of it. Like Catelyn, and I like that it goes to show, I was thinking about it when I was reading that part, the difference between seeing the point of views from Catelyn, an adult, versus, for instance, Bran. Mm. Just the the detail that we're picking up. The for things she notices. She's... You know, because she's picking up the the architectural structure. But she starts by saying, you know, three, four hundred years ago, this was just there was maybe that was all covered in forest mm-hmm. up there, all woods, until there was a small little structure that Aegon came down from Storms and um, Dragonstone, Dragonstone rather, <laughs> and. Uh, this is where his army put ashore. Yeah. And he built his first little crude fort on the highest hill, and yeah. from it, it grew and spread now as far as she can see. Magor, right? Is it Magor? Aegon. It was Aegon. Aegon. Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, and so was, uh, I'm actually, I'm just going to read this yeah, because, uh, but it. it says, this is her description of the city. 
<clears throat> now the city covered the shore as far as Catlin could see. Manses and arbors and granaries, brick storehouses and timbered inns and merchant stalls, taverns and graveyards and brothels, all piled one on another. She could hear the clamor of the fish market even at this distance. Between the buildings were broad roads lined with trees, wandering crookback streets and alleys so narrow that two men could not walk abreast. Visenya's hill was crowned by the great sept of Baylor, with its seven crystal towers. Across the city, on the hill of Reneus, stood the blackened walls of the dragon pit, its huge dome collapsing into ruin, its bronze doors closed now for a century. The street of sisters ran between them, straight as an arrow. The city walls rose in the distance, high and strong. That It's just, you get this, a sense of overcrowding and clustered and claustrophobia, but this grand scale of these grand people building grand monuments here. And, and I, I feel like that's part of, uh, of the reason that Martin had Catelyn arrive before before the king's company because then all the children are there and there's the potential that their point of view would be the first one to see king's landing mm -hmm. and i think he i don't think it would have been nearly as detailed if it came from one of their oh definitely it would have been more fantastical it would have been yeah there would have been much especially like with seven crystals on top like mm -hmm. sansa would you know be gushing mm. and uh, you know the sept of balor like that probably is that where they where, where marriages take place in the Sept. A lot, yeah, tons of stuff. So yeah, so is, like yeah. she would be picturing herself there with Joffrey, mm -hmm. and like so she's gonna focus. That's in it, on yeah, that exactly. Stuff That's where we wed one well, day. Maybe, maybe not when she arrives now. But, but speaking of what Catelyn's picking up, she also notices that the waterfront is crowded with ships uh, dropping off, loading cargo, and she sees the Queen's big galley uh, hanging out in the harbor, and it's just a very active city. And then it says, and above it all stood the Red Keep, frowning down from Aegon's high hill. That's just interesting because that's where the king rules. That's like that's the capital building right there, and it's you know it's frowning down on the rest of the city. It's imposing. It's menacing. It's watching. It's like this big brother type thing. Yeah. Of, yeah. And and Catelyn, I mean, as we'll learn, it's a trending fucking theme in Catelyn of dread and doom and gloom but you get a really sort of imposing view of this beautiful city but looming above it all is this dark castle that's frowning down but the tower uh the cat aegon's jesus christ sorry the red keep had seven huge drum towers with iron ramparts vaulted halls covered bridges barracks dungeons granaries and massive walls aegon had commanded it built and his son magor the cruel had seen it complete and then they had, uh, which I was talking, I was listening, one of my, one of the podcasts I listened to was talking about Magor today, the cruel, mm. um, which I, it's just really fun. It's in the fire and blood. So if you haven't read that, make sure you read that stuff. You can read about them specifically, but that I like how the next part takes place where he had all of the stonemasons, all of the architects, anybody that was involved with building this dead killed so that way nobody but the dragon lords would have only the blood of the oh, dragon me. would ever know the secret uh, i don't mean to interrupt but no, like i really i think the, the the wording of this is well specific. that's yeah i was kind of leading only the blood of the dragon would ever know the secrets of the fortress the dragon lords had built so is if Danny comes to the Red Keep, well, is that's she it. Gonna, Danny or or John Well, if you know, yeah, yeah. If if it's what we're thinking, if you but ship to, if one of them 
shows up at the Red Keep, are they going to be able to, like, find some secret? Is there a cache of eggs? Is there, you know, like, what? Something that... I, I felt like that was a significant little No, yeah, I like quote. that. That's cool. That's, but uh... it says, yet now the banners were golden, not black, and where once was a dragon was now a prancing stag. Um, I just think that that's great imagery. Uh, the times have changed. The dragon lords are no longer... Yeah, it's in existence uh, basically. I kind of see this little time shift there in my head when I when yeah. I was reading that part. That was that was definitely cool. But the shifting. storm dancer is getting closer to shore, and Roderick says he would like to enter the city alone and bring Sir Aaron to her in a safer place. And Cat says that he's just as likely to be recognized as she is. And he's like, Nah, not with I couldn't, I couldn't recognize me. My like, ma couldn't recognize me. Yeah, and so he does mention that. His mother was the last person to see him without a beard, and she's been dead for 40 years. So there's nobody that's going to recognize him without a beard. It's just not going to happen. And Morio approaches at this point, and he asks if she's going to need assistance in getting her things to the castle. And foolishly, she tells him that they aren't going to the castle, and she inquires about an inn. She's... I I like I don't know if I picked up on on my first read, but while I was reading through, I was just like, you know, like, just nah, we've got it. Like, and hire some discreet. Like, you well, can just do better. Go find an inn at that point. Like, you can do better, Catelyn. That was that was a blunder there. He he knows one, but at, well, uh, and that's what I that was something I actually I commented earlier and said I would bring up again now. That's one of, when he it said that. Roderick warned her that Taroshi are just known for being money hungers. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't think this is information? You know you're in King's Landing. You you've known that you're heading to King's Landing. That's it. You know where the master everything has a price is. here, and you should have you should have foresaw that. That's you're you're smart enough to see that. You know the game. Don't make that mistake. And then even going on, uh, he he answers that he knows of an inn, but first he wants the second half of the payment as well as the stags that she had promised for the oarsmen. That she reminds him, and he responds with, "Oh, of a certainty." But perhaps I'll hold on to it for them. That way they don't spend it here on drink or women. And Roderick mentions that there's worse ways to spend it and winter is coming. But Catelyn doesn't really give a shit how they spend it. But just to be sure, she goes and hands pays the oarsman herself uh, in a copper to two of the men, uh, to the two men who brought her things to the inn that Morio suggests. So he gets his payment. We're assuming it doesn't really specify, but I'm assuming he does. And she pays the oarsman pays these men to bring her things to the inn that he suggests and that's it. It, it he he leaves her mind and even Roderick like doesn't have an issue or speak up or anything and it just I mean it's sending up right it sends red flags up for me but they, I think they're just I think it's really just that they're that unaccustomed to the way things are happening here in the city mm-hmm. with with who's in charge and what's what's going on where Barris has his little birds but they find a ram- it's a rambling old place on Eel Alley that Morio suggests, but it's comfortable enough, and best of all, the sour old crone who owns it didn't ask her names. So Catelyn's pretty pleased with that. And it's funny that they she thinks about that right now, but she doesn't think about that kind of with you Morio. know the location and with Morio. I suppose it also might be because she met him in in yeah she could White be Harbor. assuming she he's a northern he's a... you know he's honorable, but yeah it sort of so shows some ignorance on her part, but. Roderick suggests that she avoids the common room. Even here, no one knows who could be watching. Roderick dresses in a dark cloak. Uh, he's got a hood pulled up. He's got his dagger, long sword, and ringmail underneath. And he says he'll return with Lord Aaron before nightfall. 
and he tells Kat that she should rest. Yo, I got the biggest chuckle at this point. She took a cat nap. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. <laughs> Jesus. She took a cat nap. <laughs> yeah. Cat thinks that she was tired and the journey was long and fatiguing. So what does she do? She watches Roderick from the window. Oh, yeah, she does do Like that. a cat in the windowsill. <laughs> <laughs> and then? Until he's lost in the crowd. And then she decides to take his advice. And it said she had no trouble falling asleep. And she takes a little cat nap. Yes. She wakes to a pounding on the door. She sits up and she sees outside the sun is setting. She hadn't intended to sleep this long, but then another pound kind of shakes her from that, and somebody says, open up in the name of the king. Yo, that, like, for half a second, I forgot what was happening when, like, I read this part, and I was like, yo, that's scary. That's yeah. like, you know, I suppose what it would feel like if you're you're on the wrong side of the law, and you hear, you know, open up, please. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. So she wraps herself in a cloak and grabs the dagger before she unlatches the door. And from their ring mail and the golden cloaks, she knows that these are men of the city watch. And they push, it says push, into yeah. her room. And so they're a little aggressive. The leader of them sees the dagger and smiles at her and tells her, there's no need for that, my lady. We're to escort you to the castle. And she asks, by whose authority? And he holds up a ribbon. And it's got the seal of a mockingbird. And she immediately knows it's Peter. And she thinks to herself, so soon? Something must, and she, she thinks that something must have happened to Sir Roderick if this is already happening. People yeah, already but... know. And she asks the leader, Do you know who I am? And he says, No, my lady. Littlefinger only wanted you brought to him and to see that you weren't mistreated. So, Kat's trying to like work this shit out. You know, she's still, she's still stretching from her cat now. Yeah, she's still not quite fully dressed. So she tells them they need to excuse yeah, themselves get while out. she can get herself ready to, to head. And so she them. washes her hands and wraps them in some clean linen and struggles to lace up her bodice. And she's wondering how Littlefinger knew she was here. And this is when she comes to the conclusion that she was a dumbass. Well, she knows that Sir Roderick would never tell him. And right. thinks old he might be, but he was stubborn, stubborn and loyal to a mm-hmm. fault. And she wondered if maybe the Lannisters made it here first, but dismisses that because Ned would have sought her out. Exactly. And then she thinks, Morio. And it just says, damn him. Yeah, she made a huge blunder. She, they, her and Roderick, and I'm surprised Roderick didn't suggest it. He wanted a smaller boat, but they should have lied about their names. Absolutely should not have told him who they were and where they were going. Uh, Um, So that was mistake number one. Not to mention, it's very likely that the, the docks are being watched. Oh, definitely. You know, and so to assume that when there's two strangers from the north, the, that the master of whispers or anybody isn't going to be a bit curious mm-hmm. as to who these strangers are, what they're doing riding on this this expensive boat. You know, it's yeah. not cheap to, to ride one of them fucking things. But they, uh, as she gets dressed, she uh, she sees that they had brought a horse for her. And Kat thought that she could feel the eyes of the city on her as she rode with the guards in their golden cloaks. So I wonder if that's actually, if there really were a bunch of people watching her, or if she just kind of assumed since she's being... I, uh, I, I would say down. because King's Landing is so fucking overcrowded that it's a, I mean, yeah, it's a safe chance. Like, I don't think they're, you know, watching her nefariously mm-hmm. and like, ooh, a northerner. <laughs> but I think it's, yeah, there's a... Just people watching there's the, pe- the, the, She's the being city. escorted, clearly, so there's some import to her. And uh, they get to the Red Keep, and she notices that the portcullis is down, and but the castle windows are all alive with flickering candlelight. 
Uh, they leave their horses and they enter a postern door and go up what seem like endless steps to a tower. And she gets to the top and it says he was alone in the room, seated at a heavy wooden table, an oil lamp beside him as he wrote. And he looks up at her and says, Cat. And it's Littlefinger. There he in is. In the flesh. And Cat says, Why was I brought here in this fashion? She's pretty pissed. And he stands and he waves the guards out. And after they leave, he asks if she was mistreated. I ordered them not to. He, he His first concern is not that she's pissed that she was brought here, but that his guards mistreated her. Like yeah, he she, he's sure. not getting the affront that she sees. And then he sees her hands and he asks about her hands. And she just ignores him pissed off as all hell and says yeah. as a boy you still knew the meaning of courtesy and he immediately kind of cows and says like his intent was not to anger her uh his yeah his intent was not to anger her catlin notices that peter is a small man slender and quick with sharp features and laughing gray green eyes and a little pointed chin beer and he had threads of silver in his dark hair even though he was still relatively young so I really like the laughing gray-green eyes. Not because of the color. I don't think the color. I'm not. The laughing. The the fact that he's. I, what I picture that as is that his eyes just have those those wrinkles, those lines mm-hmm. that show that he's he's regularly smiling. Mm-hmm. He's always jovial and happy. And, and that's one of those big differences in the, again, if you're coming from the show, that you don't really see as much. That he's just always jesting and he's always happy, very much like Renly was earlier. Yeah, yeah. Just this, you know, outgoing, happy guy. She asks him how he knew she was there, and he answers that Lord Varys knows all. And then he goes on to say that Varys will be joining them shortly, but he wanted to see her alone first. She completely ignores this, thinking that so the king's spider found me and he advises her i i would call him that yeah i like that it hurts that his feelings he, i really like that he asked her you know how many years has it been and she just completely blows mm-hmm. off his questions oh so it was the spider that that figured yeah again she's out. not here to to play games and be coy she's here to figure her shit out and, and yeah he he's, he warns you know i would make sure that you don't let lord Varys hear you calling him the spider his little birds are would it really be? It's not like calling, you know, Jamie Lannister Kingslayer to his face, and you know, not being like Brienne of Tarth and yeah. handle their business, it, or you know, going to the to Joffrey's face. Well, and I saying, think that him saying it. that I wouldn't let him hear you is kind of coupled with him saying nothing happens in this city without Varys knowing of knowing. Oft times he knows about it before it happens. I think the threat is in there. Yeah, where oftentimes he knows about it before it happens because he can make things happen so i think there's a little bit of a threat but uh and then he goes on to say that he has little birds everywhere and the uh yada 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 they're, 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 they discovered that she was there and he wanted to go to somebody but since selmy and renly were sent up north to escort the king and the king's guard all down to king's landing I said king a lot more than I knew <laughs> right there. And and he mentions that Stannis has gone to Dragonstone. Yes. Stannis yes. has gone. So who who else is there? And so, but Peter kinda is a like not a little offended, but he just you know, why not me? Like why wouldn't Varys tell me? You know, I'm on the council, I'm important type of thing. And he also mentions the only other option was Pycelle. So And then he also says that Varys also knows that Lysa and Peter are friendly. And that is specifically mentioned that he Peter has a vested interest in this family. He grew up with them, so 
supposedly Varys thought to bring him this information because he knows that him and Liza are close. So Peter would have us believe. And then Catelyn starts to say, does Varys know about, and, and Littlefinger cuts her off. Lord Varys knows everything, except I, I know why that. you are here. What is she about to ask Littlefinger if Varys knows about? Is this the Tansy thing? Is this... Like, what is this question that she's at? Does he know that you got Lysa pregnant? Is it that? Is that what she's about to ask? I... I don't know, because I, I didn't really think of it that far. Like, because she does. She, she says, does he know... Um, yeah, does Varys know about... And then he cuts her off. Lord Varys knows everything, except why you're here. Like, like I was going... I, I kind of guess I was assuming that she was going to say something about, like them arriving just in general or you know if oh yeah yeah i i immediately yeah no that's uh my thought went to because that's it he mentions that varus knows lisa and peter are friends and she that's when she asks this question does varus know about varus knows everything and you know if it is the tansy thing hey you know peter wouldn't want to like say that in so many he wouldn't want to say that at all really i think i don't think he will ever hear Littlefinger utter the words like I got Liza pregnant it's I don't think it's a sore subject to him it's just you know he was a boy and it was yeah. a, a, a mistake thing that ended up getting him a little pawn he could use but that just stood out to me you know what what question was she about to ask does Varys knows but Catelyn says in answer to except why you're here yeah, that she yearns good. for her husband and her daughters but Littlefinger ain't buying that shit he says, and he asks her, what are the Tully words? They are family, duty, honor, all of which require you to remain in Winterfell, where where your husband requires you to be right now, where yes. the hand of the king asked you to be. Everything you're not doing. Everything currently. you aren't doing. So something must have happened. This trip speaks of a certain urgency, and he begs her, let me help you. And then there is a little knock at the door. And in comes our favorite little master of whispers. Varys is plump, perfumed, and hairless as an egg. And he comes in on his little slippers, and he greets Kat by taking her hands in his, and she notices that his flesh is soft and moist. And yeah. he expresses concern for, oh, your poor his hands. His breath smells like lilacs? Is that what it, what it says yeah, in there? Some, and, yeah. And, like, I just... I feel like he's just a pleasant person to be around. Like, she said that they were soft and moist, but I think that's not in, like, a, a gross way when he touched it when with her hands, um, where it said that his hands, his mm-hmm. skin was soft and moist. But that, you know, he's perfumed, he's powdered, he's soft and moist. Like, just this pleasant little eunuch. I don't see... I don't know if I think pleasant, but... Yeah, he, uh... Varys is showing concern for her hands and for Bran. Uh, he, you know, he's very sorry he's for what happened. He's offering to hook her up with some salves. Yeah, and, and he's very all sorry. Sorts of stuff. And, and Kat thinks to herself that Lord Varys's title is just a courtesy. He was lord of nothing except his web of lies. And that's an internal monologue. Little, uh, Varys is still going on. He even says, I have great esteem for your husband, our new hand of the yeah, king. Yeah, they all kind of just start spouting off their love for, for mostly Robert, Robert here yeah. and how, you know, great... Uh, Littlefinger gets a little thing in a jab there uh, at Robert, almost like he's... like he knows something there. <laughs> almost like he's kind of planting, like a... You know, some people also don't like Robert. Mm. So... Um, 
because of the them saying how much they all love him. And... But talk turns to more recent event, events, and she thinks to herself that she refuses to speak of Bran with these two, and she will not let them see her grief. She's not really comfortable with this situation at all. Varys sits and asks to see the dagger, and Kat is kind of blown away by this and thinks, was he a spider or an enchanter or worse? And that's just interesting to me because, as we know, I don't know if it's heavily as heavily implied in the book or stated in the book, but we know from the show that Varys despises magic. So yeah. the fact that he's sort of so I just to it. I got entertained by, you know, first he got very excited about the fact that Kat mentioned that she he was the one that had her brought there. Mm-hmm. And then when, when he sits down and, and asks to see the dagger... It was he. He giggled like a girl. Yeah, and it's like he's so excited it's to see it. And it's, it's weird. That's and like I said, like he seemed kind of pleasant when he walked in. This plump, warm, you know, inviting character. And then he's got this, this moment where he has this high pitched. Granted, I suppose if you're not chopped off, you're probably not going to be seeing. True. Well, it's not your nuts, though, huh? It's just your. I no, I think. Uh, well, the like whole, that's the, the question. Do they take a... the the stone and the pillars? But I, I believe as a eunuch, it's cutting off the balls and i don't know if they leave your dick or not i think that that goes too but i mean that's what i but knows. i was little finger asked him in the show straight up so true story but speaking of little is completely lost he asks like what dagger um catlin is freaking out because she thinks something was done to sir roderick and Varys assures her nothing's been done to him he stopped here earlier then he went and visited sir aaron in the armory and they spoke of a certain dagger there and then they walk back to the inn that you're staying at, and they're there right now drinking. And he yeah. says, Sir Roderick was very distressed to find you gone. Varys literally, like, has fucking yeah. real-time yeah, updates. Yeah, he's, like, like, he's currently he's, right now. I pinged his, his cell phone. He's walking <laughs> down the street of steel. and He's on his 11th drink. Like, it's just savage. <laughs> and, like, yeah, he, he, was, he was terrified to find you gone. Catelyn's been gone. What, you know, maybe 45 minutes, an hour at most to take her to this walk? And he walk. still knows where. Granted, he just arrived four minutes, five exactly, minutes Exactly, yeah. And so it was like he finished up watching them or in, and went hearing to this meeting, the, the, yeah, the report on yeah. them. He asks about the dagger again, and she pulls it out this time, and she kind of just throws it on the table. And he examines it and, and cuts, cuts his thumb and squeals like a little girl again and starts sucking on it. And I feel like it's a not a squeal of pain because he does say, "Oh, it's sharp," mm. but I feel like it's a uh, again an excited. Like, yeah, almost, like, I feel like he's smart enough to know that this is Valerian steel. And, and yeah, you're, why would you put? Your I finger think it, on I thing? feel like it's an act. For That's where, what I imagine. And Littlefinger notes that nothing holds an edge like Valerian steel. And this is when Littlefinger picks up the dagger and begins flipping it. And from before hand he hand even talks, and testing yeah. it, like and... I'm picturing just this little Loki figure walking up. And now, all of a sudden, he's just got this dagger, and it's like, so he clearly has some kind of skills with at yeah. least a dagger, if not this dagger. And he says, if you're looking for the owner of this dagger, you should have come to me. And Catelyn asks him, and if I had, what would you have told me? And he says, there's only one knife like this in King's Landing. And then he kind of throws it to his hand, and he launches it at the door with a practiced flick of his wrist, and it perfectly goes and sticks in the door. And he says, it's mine. Uh, and then he says, until the tourney of Joff's name, uh, Joffrey's last name day. And he pulls the dagger back out from the door. And he says, I had backed Sir Jamie in the joust, as did half of the court. When Loras Tyrell unhorsed him, many people lost bets. But Kat says, who did you lose the knife to? And before we get there, 
Littlefinger had backed Sir Jamie in the Jaws, as did half the court, he says. Um, he gives his answer, as we know. It's it's well, And we'll get to the actual quote, but he names Tyrion, Tyrion Lannister. Um, why would Tyrion not back his brother Jamie? No, yeah, this that, is, I have that note. Horseshit. Yeah. This is horseshit. He's, he's caught in a lie. But he, and very dramatically, Cat demands who he lost a knife to, and he says, The imp, said Littlefinger, as Lord Varys watched her face. Tyrion Lannister, and and that's it. Chapter done. Yes. Curtain so down. the 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 whole thing should be bullshit because Tyrion would not bet against. Tyrion. He would not back Loras Tyrell over Sir Jaime at all, especially Loras. Never Tyrell. in a million years. So and Littlefinger fucked up there. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I completely. Agree. Why was Var- What was Varys watching her face for? Like, what was he looking for there? To see whether she believed him or not. You think? I think to see because. So do you think they're in cahoots so, on this? Again, I I don't think he's seen that dagger. Or if because they would have the new like are you telling me that there's nobody that sent any kind of message from King's Landing about the the attack was that I mean is there who's to say that Ferris and Littlefinger don't already know about the fact that Bran had an assassin attack them mm. um, I guess that you know that's not necessarily completely likely but it's potentially possible and if that's the case then. He even mentions this is a very well-balanced knife. So what he's saying is that anybody that's somewhat adept at any kind of dagger can pick up this perfectly balanced blade and have a decent throw at a yeah. door. Like it's per- like it's practiced. It doesn't mean he's practiced with that one specifically. So it seems like regardless of whether he owned it or not, he was going to turn this to his advantage by pointing the finger at a Lannister. And he's going to get away with it because Catelyn's, again, not thinking completely straight. The yeah, I mean, he says until the, until the attorney at Joffrey's named it, that's when he lost it. Maybe yeah. he lost it to Joffrey because it's in the king's caravan, the dagger right. that's used. That's true, yeah. So, you know, it like every every good lie has a sprinkle of truth. Like, I think maybe he did own the dagger, and at the tournament of Joffrey's name day, he did lose it, but... It wasn't to Tyrion Lannister because Tyrion Lannister probably won quite a bit of gold or lost quite a bit of gold that day betting on Jamie. So it's just bullshit. And it's brilliant because Varys is working his angle of trying to watch her yeah. face for a reaction and Littlefinger's just playing such a deep game that Cat can't even begin to fathom it. And it's excellent. It's great because she's trying, she's trying her damnedest and she's doing well to pick up on these signs and be careful but we keep seeing these slip-ups with morio and now with littlefinger and barris the two top players like yeah it's they're so far out of your league that's what's funny is that like because she decided to come here by herself at this time she got herself cornered by the the two the the you know the master of whispers and peter fucking bailey so i think there's quite a few options but you got an inductee for this chapter Oh, uh, wow! So I suppose because of the new canon, it's gonna be have to. It's gonna be have to. Gonna be have to. It will. I'll have to give it to Loras Tyrell for starting the War of the Five Kings because if he just let Jaime Lannister win, then Tyrion would not have won that dagger. So nobody would have been able to make an attempt on Bran's life. We just went through about how that whole story was bullshit. <laughs> but I guess that's a good one. Um. You put me on the spot. What do you want from me? We do this every episode. <laughs> Mine is going to go to Varys just because he creeps me out in this one. Like, I don't think he's a comforting presence at all. I think it's a it's an act, and it 
I think he's attempting to portray that. Yeah, it, it, like, that's what it seems to me, is he's very badly trying to play this giggly... Hey, sister! Uh, yeah, what up? <laughs> like, yeah, like, what up, good friend? Let's dish. Dish, dish, dish. That's all I see. Is, and, yeah, is... he's just kicking his fucking feet on the edge of his bed while he's got his Samsung Razor phone, and he's just <laughs> texting away, gossip girl. Got you. Um, no, I love Varys. I love... His pre like he I I do adore uh, I think he's a creepy fucking presence but Varys is one of my favorite characters especially with what I believe he is up to he likes mermaids um I fucking hate you <laughs> I hate that theory so much um yeah no this was a an excellent chapter so we hope you guys are reading along with us and send us in some of your inductees next week we are going to not next week I keep saying next week I'm well to it's the... gonna start becoming next week because we uh have. Well, I suppose this is what we'll announce. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so perfect. We will begin doing on our Thursdays. The episode we release will be a, a show recap yeah, for we, season eight. We're just going to do a you know a six seven episode series, little mini series, probably seven there. episode to do a last one after the season wraps up. But yeah, our, every recap. Thursday episode we're going to be covering the episode that aired the previous Sunday, the HBO series. So, uh, of Game as, as we all know, the season eight starts on season uh, episode. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. As we all know, season eight starts on Sunday, the fourteenth of April. So our first season eight episode would be the eighteenth of April, and it would just continue the yeah. following weeks so into. We're May. not quite sure how that's gonna. We we think uh, we're looking at probably having an attempt to record immediately after or shortly thereafter to give a an initial reaction. Yeah, we kind of want to come hot off the presses with our with our thoughts and our feelings at about the, the same last time though we also if we if it's too emotional to you know we we might turn into weeping bitches that can't I, like, handle our shit. It's not man. even a might for me at this point. Like, <laughs> I like I know we're brotherhood without manners and I'm like we're I, I can be a, a <laughs> savage bitch, but it's not a might for me. This last season's going to fucking wreck yeah, me. Yeah, it's going to be so it's going to be We're going to try to record, we're going to try to Watch the episode as soon as it airs, and then come into our booth and and lay it down. And, but we might have to come back. Uh, but we the might next have to maybe to... record the the following the, the next Monday, the day after, to just sort of have a minute to de cope and decompress. figure out what's happening um, with our lives. But ideally, yeah, we would like to get our initial thoughts right after the episode. So that's something to look forward to. As always, we are on all the socials, which Nate is going to happily read for you now. Thanks, guy. You're welcome. Thanks. So we're our Facebook, facebook.com slash brotherhood podcast. The my Twitter handle at manners without I'm stealing that one. Now, well, you haven't. Do, do you log on? Do you have do you know how to log into that? Do you know what I'm Twitter, logged into my phone? www.twitter.com right now. Uh, 32 notifications for Twitter. Are you serious? I think so. 32 You're or 20. Jagaloon. You're a prancing jackanape. Damn it. So sad. Oh, 21, not 32. Barry. 21 notifications for Twitter. Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, Instagram at Brotherhood Without. Our Gmail, which is the one thing that Zach's praying for. He's watching for that. (laughs) Usually I check it well before him anyway. That's a lie. Without Manners Brotherhood at gmail.com. And our Patreon, which we are we are definitely going to be recording Mercy getting this weekend lockdown, yeah. and get that set up. So remember, we'll be getting some bonus samples. So there's chapters. actually rewards now, you guys. Hooray! So, Besides just, you know, the cool stuff that's already there. Also it's, on Spotify, iTunes, you know, all the good stuff. Did you say those already? No, but, but leave, uh, uh, leave us a review. Rate so and review on iTunes, please. Like, that's how we get found and, and more people can find us. And... 
spread the word. If you think we're funny and, you know, your friends are, you know, trying to gear up or I understand a lot of people are going to be probably looking into podcasts more after the season ends. But, you know, just word of mouth is a great way to um, we're not really. I don't know. I lost my train of thought there. Just spread the word and get people to listen to us and write into us because we want interactivity and we're yeah, really excited yeah. about the way things are going. Next episode, we are going to be doing John 3. So John, John will three. be arriving at the wall. Yes, we'll get to meet I've some been interesting looking, characters so up there. looking forward to John arriving at the wall. So, again, write into us. Uh, let us know your inductees for John 3. We would love to read them aloud at the end of the show here alongside ours. Y- you? And if not, just check us out on the socials. Hit us up. Let us uh, just... Just say hi. See what throw some theories our way. We'll we'll chat with you. We'll we'll give you a shout out on here if we like you enough. Alrighty guys, we will see you on the next one. Bellard Harris. Peace.